This is Pete on the line. <laughs> Hello, Pete. <laughs> uh, I have I couldn't decide what I wanted to talk to you about today, so I've decided to leave it up to you. Exciting! Choose your own adventure. It is a choose your own adventure. So, uh, both this is of a real the bandersnatch. Both oh, of sorry. the topic areas that I bring to you, we have talked about before. So this is like a continuation of the latest events in this subject area, and one is a disgusting uh, new uh, evolution in food, and one is a disgusting evolution in robotics. Well, I don't like disgusting food, but we did do robot sniper dogs last week, and that was a rough ro- that was rough technology. So, nope, I'm going to stick with robotics. Oh, because robotics Tom. don't make me want to throw up. Yeah, that's usually. right. So here's the thing. I'm actually kind of glad you chose this one because I think this is a real need-to-know kind of situation for people. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You talked last week about the robot dog that has a giant cannon on its back, right? Yep. Yeah. Good boy. But at no point did did you mention that there was any sort of disconnect between the robot dog and its robot handler, right? It's still a robot person who's wandering the little dog around. You correct. Yeah. Okay. Not in Libya. Uh oh. Sometime around March 2020, the God. long-standing trope of science fiction, autonomous attack drones attacking <gasps> human beings on a futuristic battlefield, crossed over into science fact. That's oh, no. when, during the Second Libyan Civil War, the interim Libyan government attacked forces from the rival Haftar-affiliated forces with Turkish-made Kurgu-2 Hawk-2 drones, making the first reported time an autonomous hunter-killer drone has targeted human beings in a conflict, according to a United Nations report. Wait, I have have an immediate follow-up, because I don't know what one of those words means, and I I think it's the big important one. I think it is. Autonomous means no one's, no human is pressing the button. They were just like, yes. I'm Go so out glad and... you said that. And let me let me continue. It's Please. the good stuff. Unmanned okay. combat aerial vehicles, loitering munitions, and cargo two hunted down and remotely engaged half logistics convoys and retreating fighters. The no, UN no. report found the autonomous drones were programmed to attack targets. Quote without requiring data connectivity between the operator and the munition. That is that is <laughs> fantastic. Humanity, no notes. You're doing great. You're doing great. This is it. Oh. We've turned a real corner here. We've turned a real oh, corner no. because the weapon has always been like right. at least in some respect connected to the person firing it, right? There's and a finger there's on a the trigger, finger on a even trigger. if the trigger is a button. Or Mil- and a million bazillion miles away, right? I mean, right. it could be somebody in the desert of Nevada who is controlling a weapon in the Middle East. We we know those stories, right? But the, but still, this there's is, a person. We've programmed a fleet of no. drones, humans have, and sent them out and said, if you see bad guys, kill them. We don't even really need to know about it. Just go ahead and, oh and do it. We'll read the after-action report. Uh, I like, just, I we, can't. Like, we made a Roomba. 
And yeah. then they're like, let's put a revolver on it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, my Roomba gets, I stopped using my Roomba because it can't figure out my kitchen yeah, floor. It yeah. just gets stuck and falls over. Sure. And so we're just going to put like <laughs> guns on them now. That's terrible. Yeah. That's like saying, hey, you know what would <laughs> make it better is if it if it had like a Facebook account and posted hate speech after the fact. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just so bad. It's so <sighs> bad that this exists, that this has been done. And and yeah. most importantly, that somebody says, hey, we, I'll bet we can make this even better. Like, you right. know, somebody's out there saying yeah. that right before they twirl their mustache. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be all in an inevitable book or report called Everyone Saw It Coming. Welcome to What's That Smell, a sometimes funny podcast about humans and their anxieties. I'm Tommy Mess the Third, And I'm Pete Wright. And every week we each drag one of our deepest, darkest anxieties into the light to share it, learn about it, and hopefully laugh about it with all of you. Reach out, y'all. This is the second to last episode of this season, so get those anxieties of brewing if you want to make the list. Reach out to us. Go to whatsthatsmell.net, click the big button that says submit your anxiety, and then just start typing we'll take we'll take all comers we'll take whatever it is just words and letters uh grocery lists you have written down here we'll take it all so go to that what's that smell.net and then we will all figure out the smell together gross and with that i'll go first Pete, as I just mentioned, uh, this is episode 11 of 12 for season six. And there's one thing that I used to do a lot that I haven't led you on this entire season. And I think it's time to do another visualized meditation journey. Is that what we used to call them? I don't remember if that's what we used to call them. That was a guided meditation. Guided meditation. Yes. Okay. But this one, because it's season six and season six is all about twists, I just decided... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I want you to share your level of relaxation or lack thereof. Okay. Stress, anxiety, when I add each element to the scene. Okay. 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 And how, so, what, what terms would you like me to use? Like, what is our scale of anxiety? Oh, which, which DEFCON is the worst? I don't DEFCON know. DEFCON one, I DEFCON, think, is the worst. I thought DEFCON one was the worst. Okay. So, so five is feeling great. DEFCON one is your okay. trouble. I'm going to start, Here I'm going to start at a, a, a slow boil at a two, just because that's, today already oh, two i'm already two you haven't even started talking but one no. all right no. for okay, the sake of go. this bit i'll be a five okay thank you're you. ready i'm ready and five. uh mm-hmm. okay ready and Take go breath Scene. and you're entering a room five it's filled with people four and a half you don't know any of the people three <laughs> but you have a good friend with you so you're not alone three and a half and all of the people in the room are there for the same reason as you. Cleary, mm-hmm. three and a half. Okay. And then uh-huh. here's the last one. Did I mention you're there to network? One. DEFCON one. <laughs> half star one. Are you? I love it. That No. I wanted to write that out because I my anxiety <laughs> spiked just hearing the word network. And I said it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm surprised you didn't swallow your tongue. And we've already covered yeah. you can't do that, but that might be the one word that makes right? me do it. That, yeah. Exactly. Because I don't have, can do it. I, I can don't do it. <laughs> I don't have business, business cards. I don't like, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Yeah. No, thank you. Networking. And I'm surprised we've never talked about yeah. it because it clearly we're not alone. I typed in fear of networking into Google and I felt my laptop get physically heavier. It, uh, it cringes. That's how many... The metal yeah. Cr- compresses. Yeah, it immediately just gave me like a cake recipe. It's like, look, just try yeah. this. Just yeah. do something. No. Right. Uh, networking is the worst. And I was thinking about it a lot this week uh, based on nothing. Uh, there's not a lot of networking going on no, in my life God. currently. Um but I realized one of the things that really hits me about networking, and networking, everyone knows what networking is, right? It's like going out and do business functions to try to make contacts and stuff for business things. It's so frustrating that I have so much anxiety about it because it involves things that I'm actually good at. Yeah. <laughs> like meeting new people, albeit if I have an ally in the room. That's why I wanted to give you a friend in Yeah, the but clearly meditation. it doesn't matter. It, but having a friend and then having conversations, I'm good at all of those things. But then... Yeah. When the networking, when just that word shows up, all of a sudden I feel, I feel disingenuous is what it is. I feel like I'm so obviously up to something that I don't belong in that room of people and I'm just going to come off as like a used car salesman. Yeah. (laughs) And they're going to like sense, they're going to be turned off by all of my obvious thirstiness. Yeah. Is my feeling. And so I just immediately freeze up and I hate the idea of it so much. Do you do that like when you go? Because you you have been to networking sessions. You have done it. Very or you much. wouldn't know how much you hate it. Right. Correct. Do you do the thing where you pull up and you don't get out of your car for way too long? Do you do that? I have before. Yeah. Taken an old trip around the block. Yeah. Like I can't just sit there because then I know that I'm just sweating through my shirt. And yeah. so I'm like, that, uh, there's a parking spot right out front. Maybe there's one r- inside. I am and totally, so I yeah, I really, really want to go into this session. But what about? What if I have to catch Pikachu in this game that I have on my phone? What if Pikachu is here? What if exactly. I have to do? Just I better, come up with? I'm going to clear the area of all the Pokemon, yeah. and then I'm going to go in. Yeah, <laughs> anything, anything. Right to after do. I watch Avatar on my phone, yeah. I have to. I have to watch Avatar right now. <laughs> Avatar, the whole thing. <laughs> then McDonald's. I wonder if they're using paper straws or if they've gone to back to plastic. I, I better find out, out right, right now. now. That's, yeah. That is my experience right there. That's my experience. hundred percent. Yeah. And then when you finally do go in, it doesn't get better. Like I just feel like an imposter. Yeah. I make up this fiction that they are all confident pros, P-R-O-S. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're not confident <laughs> poets. <laughs> that was Literates. a dumb synonym to point out. Yeah, um, <laughs> And they're all like, you know, they're just like trading briefcases. and They're yeah. all just very good right. at doing things. And I'll walk up and I'll be like, hi, I'm here to work net. Damn Wait. it. Like I'll immediately <laughs> mess up the word network. You, and then, Did you ever do like a Toastmasters kind of a thing? Have you ever had to do anything like that? What is that? I've heard of that, and I've actually never bothered to find out what it is. I assume it's where it's like a public speaking class yeah, or club I, where you get better at giving talks. Oh, that's also my understanding, but I've never done it myself for oh, many okay. of the same reasons that we're talking about right now. Like the the idea of doing that. And I always paint myself into a holier-than-thou kind of a place. So Toastmaster is, uh, Toastmasters is all about like, you know, we're going to, you're going to practice extemporaneous speech. Like you'll be, you stand up in front oh, like of people giving, you don't know. Oh, you're giving a toast. Yeah. Right. And okay. you'll learn how to present and you'll do it in a way that's engaging. And they teach you how to be a, a narrative sort of storyteller. And 
And I always tell myself, like, well, I, you know, I'm fine doing that. I'm not fine doing that. I hate, I, like, I hate the entire environment. Why would I be good at that? Like, I just don't have the experience that a lot of people do. But it's so interesting you say that because I think you would be naturally extremely good at it. And I feel like I've seen you do things like that many times in the past in different groups and things yeah. that we have been in together yeah. sometimes we have been shoved to the front of the room per yeah. se in order to give some sort of speech or do a bit yeah. i'm talking right now about the acapella group yeah. but still that doesn't change the fact that you don't feel confident about it that's really what we're getting it into yeah yeah and well and and so this gets to the real issue i think that the situations you describe there is a purpose to it like a performative reason for me to be there and when i am in a situation where i have to network I usually don't believe that I have any authority to right. be there in any capacity whatsoever. Not even a little, not a little bit. And what you're saying then is, and it's, I have some tips if we want to get into tips, because there are oh, so many tips, tips yeah. from places. My favorite tip, <laughs> just real quick as a sidebar, my favorite, LinkedIn has a page about how to overcome networking anxiety. Guess what their number one tip is? start digitally <laughs> fill out an entire linkedin and i'm like linkedin you idiot your first tip is come Use to us LinkedIn. and give us our money yeah <laughs> LinkedIn. Right. they're like and really just like you know practice linking to other people on our site <laughs> and it's like you're an idiot well that's it i i do think that there is there is like i don't want to complain because i know there are people who hunger for networking sessions and i, I right. was a member of I, I can't believe i'm actually outing myself as a member of this Business Networking International, BNI, in a former okay. life, right? And so my my recollection of BNI, if I have the right association in my head, I was a member doing, like, I, I represented my organization, and I could be the only person recommending my organization, like, in my field, in this networking group. And oh. so every networking group, you were the only person Ooh. that represented your field. So if anybody else in the networking group had a referral for the service that you represented, they would all come to you. Wait, and is it better or worse? Because it's taking away competition, but it's also putting an enormous spotlight on you. It's not only is an enormous spotlight, it's an enormous amount of responsibility because right. you as a member, if you are welcomed into a group, you have to bring a referral on some frequency. I don't remember what it was. Like, you have to bring someone else in the group a referral all the time. And that freaked me right out. I am sure there is value sure. to a great BNI group. I struggled with it because I felt like such an inferior imposter, like uh, disconnected. I'm terrible at it. We have friends who are extraordinarily good at this. Like, they yeah. work a room. And I have never felt like I was that person. I feel like there is, there, I, I went to, the last time I went to a, a networking session, it was a, mm. it was a web developer thing, and I, it was probably two years ago, it was at our local Squarespace office. They were having a networking open yeah. house, and uh, this show is not sponsored by Squarespace. Do you hear that, Squarespace? Yeah. And so I went over We're there. We're the only podcast not, not sponsored, sponsored by Squarespace. By or Stamps.com. Or, or <laughs> Casper Mattresses. What's holding up? Are they I, still in business? I okay. hate the post office. Come on, Stamps.com. <laughs> So Bring it. I went over there and there is a turn. Have you made the turn? Like you go into a networking event and you feel terrible, you feel terrible, you feel terrible. And then I'm sitting there in that <laughs> chair and suddenly a wave of comes over me of aggression. 
And that aggression turns me into a networking monster for a very short time. It's like I reach boss level and it's all I can do to collect (laughs) as many business cards as I possibly can. And I say, sorry, I'm out of business cards. And that's my line. I'm out of cards right now. I don't have any more cards left because I network them out of my hands on fire but i need yours and i'm gonna scan it for you right now and i'm gonna be in contact and we're gonna network and we're gonna find synchronicity and stuff you are on x games mode yeah i go (laughs) into that's what i do and then i walk out and i like kind of lean up against the planters and kind of pass out a little bit i black out afterwards and forget who i was it's the mask that's what it is so you're just running through the fire. I do. I just do I run it. through it. I like go hardcore. Hey, we should totally, we should find some simpatico. We should definitely get some parallel b- blue sky ideation uh, between our two organizations. We should really just network. Oh, no. Do you want to network? Let's network. That's what I do. <laughs> so you're also like a morning zoo DJ. <laughs> Would you like to network in the fuzz? Would you like to hear my Bill Clinton? I can do a Bill Clinton. (laughs) Here, let's go ahead and make some prank calls together. It'll be great. I love a good hacky network. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. That is interesting. I don't know if I've ever. I do do the nervous talk too fast thing, and my fear of silence skyrockets. Sure. Oh, so there's probably there's too much. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) Digging deep. (laughs) How is networking not a season one? Why did we just do an episode about networking and then get off this dumb podcast? (laughs) Because it really does. It's a fear of silence. It's imposter syndrome. It's social anxiety. It's so many things all wrapped up in a room with terrible appetizers and canapes. Yeah. Yeah. If that anymore. Um, And the worst part is the, you've really pushed a button for me. The worst part is the follow-on because then there's always the thing where you get back to your desk, right? You get back to your desk and say you have a bunch of business cards. Say you did the networking just fine. What happens if you open up all your social media and nobody connects with you? What happens then? You are unnetworkable. That's what it feels like. You are a pariah. You're a networking pariah. You did it wrong. You broke it. Pete's boss mode did not play out well. And now all he has is business cards and no online connections. And then you start remembering like, oh, I just kept yelling, give me your goddamn card, everybody. (laughs) 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 And most of these that they gave me are like coupons. They clearly didn't want to get a hold of me. How did I not see this dry cleaning receipt? There's so many dry cleaning receipts. Mongolian grill. What is going on? (laughs) I agree. And then there's an added bonus when you are in the entertainment field. Yes. Because almost everyone in the room is lying. (laughs) Like they're all producers. They're all directors. They're all like we once when we were shopping uh, 30 nights around, we had to go to the AFM, the American film market, which we cannot afford to go in. There's a real moat around the AFM. If you want to get up to the actual people upstairs, it's held in a hotel. Oh, and it's a moat, into so like it, a room, one of the suites. They have a suite and there's a zillion yeah. suites, but they're all upstairs past this velvet rope called money because yeah. there's just too many randos that are like, I have an idea. Titanic too. And everyone's like, that's a yeah. terrible idea. Um, but then a lot of the quote unquote business, or at least the jo- yeah. the joke is it's all in the lobby. Everyone just shows up free at the lobby. And so we went there and spent like an hour. Yeah, I was emotionally drenched with emotional sweat and yeah. real sweat. And real sweat. It was yeah, rough. legit. Yeah, because everyone is just so much of Hollywood, unfortunately, is just 
pretending. Yeah. And is it what that is, it, is it really true? Did you did you find any action in the lobby? Because I've always heard that. No. I've always felt like that's a wives' tale. Like you, the reason you say the real actions in the lobby is because you can't afford to get into the real business. Hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. No. And we didn't find the only thing that I've ever gotten from networking that I know of is friends, and that's okay. And so wait. I that's, guess that is networking. That's not a, that's exa- you just described exactly the purpose. Oh. Well, I mean, I guess you don't have to work with people that you connect, or you don't have to like the right. people you connect with. But you did Correct. just make that's a really difference. solid case. Yeah, I just, well, because when we would go to film festivals, if we if we had a short film in a film festival, that's where I met one of my good friends, Jill Efron, because her short played in the short package before mine, and I saw a bunch of people group around her as if it was a popular short. So I just went up and straight introduced myself, and then we've worked together. Oh, that is networking. <laughs> so do you want to take okay. this last 20 minutes back? Because really what you've done is outed me as a hot, Mess. No, no. And you're what fine. I to, what I, no, because that's one time. That's one person. <laughs> and I've never been invited back to a film festival since. Okay. One that does segue, though, into if people are like us, and yes, everyone is like us, unless you're a sociopath, <laughs> is I found some things. There's a, a um, website called The Muse, and it just had four or five little ideas. We don't have to go through all of them, but I think we've already uncovered some of them. And these just made me think about things in a different way. Okay. Number one, spotlight effect. Of course, remember that almost everyone in the room feels the same way. Yes. They're they all are, nervous too. And they are all looking at you. Wait, is that wrong? Did no. I get that wrong? <laughs> yeah. And it's weird that you network at a spotlight convention. <laughs> it's a terrible <laughs> idea. Uh, everyone's just oh my God. Up. Spotlight salesman must have what? a rough life. <laughs> uh, number two, and this was the one that I just realized. <laughs> in real time, reframe networking as having a conversation. That potentially the problem is that there's the word work in there. Yeah. And so you and immediately that. go in with your backup. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, just having a conversation, because that's what I ended up doing. And then I'm going to skip past some of these. This la- Oh, bring a friend. I love that one. Bring a friend. Don't fall into the trap of just talking to your friend the whole time. But just having an ally in the room makes a world of difference. To me. I, okay, I get that. And I would also say that I don't know that I would ever trigger boss mode, networking boss mode, if I brought right. a friend, because I would be too embarrassed to showcase what gar- garbage I can be socially in front of people that I really do already like and hope like see, me back. So like, you'd have to be like yeah. public consumption, Pete. Yeah, of- I, would, I, would, I would never take you to a networking session because I like the veil of innocence <laughs> that you have not pierced with me in yeah. our relationship. And if you saw me networking, I really worry that you would leave me there. You would just walk I out. I do want to meet networking Pete, though, because <laughs> I think the one problem that I see with networking Pete is when you finally leave, you're just eating the business cards. <laughs> you're just shoving business card after business card in your mouth going, network, network, network. And then you go home and you're like, I feel sick and full. History is filled with unlikely heroes. There was the eight-year-old female gorilla in the Brookfield Zoo near Chicago who acted quickly in August 1996 when a little boy lost his footing and fell into the primate exhibit. The gorilla's name was Bintajua, which means daughter of sunshine in Swahili, and she lived up to her name by cradling the unconscious child, then carrying his limp body next to the entrance of the enclosure where he was carried to safety by zookeepers. 
the boy made a full recovery. Then there's Zavi Ahmed, a five-year-old in East Sussex, England, who discovered a baby locked in a smoldering parked car. When he called the authorities, they were able to break the vehicle's windows, but the police were too big to fit through the window, leaving young Zavi to crawl through the window and bring the baby back out with him. Best of all, Zavi Ahmed loved superheroes and at the time was famously wearing a Batman costume. A real-life superhero indeed. And finally, there's the story of Robert, a New Jersey man who in 1864 fell off of a train platform in front of an oncoming train. While horrified onlookers looked on, as they do, another man named Edwin reached down and seized Robert's collar, dragging him to safety at the very last second. This act of heroism would probably be forgotten today, if not for the full names of the two men. The man who fell was Robert Todd Lincoln, son of then-President Abraham Lincoln, and his rescuer, none other than Edwin Booth, the estranged brother of John Wilkes Booth, who would later take the president's life. You didn't think I'd do this without getting another Civil War thing in here, right? History is filled with unlikely heroes, and sometimes even the smallest acts can have heroic results. Did you know that you can be a hero to Pete and I today? And for only $35? Hey, you Superman and Superwomen, why not save the day and become a panic pal right now? Go to whatsthatsmell.net and it'll show you all the new things that you're going to get. You'll get early access to episodes, special episodes that nobody else even gets to hear other than panic pals. You'll get certificates of best friendship. You will get stickers. You'll get a whole bunch of coupons that are emotional legal tender to give out when you're feeling the shivers. All sorts of things. And most importantly, you will have Pete and I's adoration like the superhero that you are. We love doing this show, but it is not free to put on, and we could really use your support. For $35, you will help us support this season, season six of What's That Smell? And with that, on with the show. Tom. (laughs) Yes, Pete? Are you... Do you worry about... Do you worry about your skin? Yeah. Because I've had I've had some run-ins with skin problems. You have, yeah. What what kind? I had when I turned forty. My body was like, he seems a little too happy. So I developed cystic acne in oh, my face. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's it's cystic, meaning it looks like you're a burn victim. People mm-hmm. react to you like you're a burn victim. Like they'll yeah. go, oh no, what happened? Because it doesn't look like real acne, and you have to take nuclear option pills, like I did, yep. called. Accutane. Accutane. And that is made of nightmares. Yeah, it's bad news. I did mm-hmm. Accutane. I had that problem when I was younger. We've talked about that. Yeah. Um, do you have any remnants of your experience with cystic acne? Remnants. Any... Scars? Yeah. Yeah. Do you? I, I, yeah, but it's fun because I can't tell which ones are chicken pox scars and which one are cystic acne oh, scars. You've got a real bouquet then of like history. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a real haunted house. Do you have any, on the inside and out? Do you have any other uh, any other kinds of of scars? Any other you know I don't know bites or like were you ever attacked bites. by a shark or a dog or a baby? No, I have a scar on my arm that I used to tell people I got in a knife fight, but I actually got it playing tennis. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly, the opposite of a knife fight. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, I have one. I have one on my inner thigh that was. Uh, a wart that I had burned off. Ooh. <laughs> oh, okay. And so that's a, I, it looks like a gunshot. And so I tell people I was shot right around the knee. But oh, it was that's actually why you actually got a wart playing yeah. tennis. <laughs> All of this is a setup to, uh, as you could probably guess, Tom, 
a listener submission. I did not guess that, but I'm elated. You should have guessed it because it's literally written in the script. Fair enough. Listener submission. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Okay. This is, it's possibly, I don't, how do you pick your favorite child? But this one's on top right now. Oh, okay. One of my favorite. See us. One of my favorite. Okay. Uh, Okay. Listener submission. Here we go. Guys, Mm. I've been listening since ep one, and you're doing great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. I think you should. I can't believe I'm reading this right now, and I almost want you to go into to the to our little listener submission database so you can read that I'm not making this up because it's okay. so important that you hear it and that it resonates with you. I think okay. you're doing great. Next sentence, I swear to God, <laughs> I think you should do more guided meditations. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious. Oh, no! <laughs> Those are crazy. I still listen to the one about Tommy in a construction zone. <laughs> That was the first one or one of the main ones. That's Oh, that's perfect timing. Okay. That is amazing. <laughs> Going on. This kind of relates to my anxiety. There's an actress I've seen in a number of things with a scar on her lip. Okay, she's a pornographic actress. I said it. Uh, it. All caps. I have watched pornography. Parentheses. Oh, no. Checks the keep me anonymous button. Okay, moving on. She has a scar on her lip. <laughs> I don't judge scars, but I can't get it out of my head how much I'm terrified of having scars on my own body. Growing up, I never popped zits because I was afraid of the scar potential. I think that's potential. I think the actress (laughs) is beautiful, obviously, but when I think Mm -hmm. about her scar, all I can think about is what I would be like if I had a scar, and it, all caps, completely freaks me out. My hands are shaking right now typing this. What the hell is going on? And it is signed a period, no period, from the email address I worry at mymomlistens dot to this. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Scar anxiety. Yes. Scarring. I've have you never ever, heard of such never a heard thing. Of this. It, it, yeah. No. Okay. You will. So be we finally found then. someone who's completely alone. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> a terrible thing to say. <laughs> a terrible thing to say. Especially because joking. they are so not alone that there is actually a term for it. Like there oh. are terms for other you know anxieties that are random, not the big you know the big six. Yep. Uh, it is called ulinophobia. O u l i n o phobia. Ulinophobia. Ulinophobia. Okay. Yeah. It is the fear of scars. Scars are permanent remnants of injury that occurred on the surface of the skin that many people don't want. So this would be a fear trigger. Sufferers would want to remove scars by putting something on it, such as a cream or paste to soften the scar, right? That's kind of where people go if they Got have it. a fear of scars. So I think this is really interesting because uh, it's one of these, mm, do we call it a meta anxiety? Hmm. Everything I've read about it is that ulinophobia is like a gateway to other anxieties that are unspoken. For example, agliophobia is the fear of pain or suffering. Fear of pain or suffering. That ulinophobia, when you see a scar and are triggered by it, you might actually not be terrified of scarring in and of itself, but terrified of the journey that the scar wearer took to get there. Right. What okay. Do you think about so all you're this? you're relating it to fear, uh, not fear, pain. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about all sure. this? Have you ever had any uh, any scar issues? 
the face stuff that I brought up, I don't want to rebring up the entire thing, but um, the it did not look like acne, and people. It looks like a, a, a like a little bit of a chemical burn that I had, and so people would feel okay bringing it up. I think most people treat regular acne like you have something in your teeth and you just let it go, yeah, or like this. But this, they'd be like, "Ow!" or like physically recoil yeah. or say, "What happened?" And so that would really make me very self conscious, yeah. about it, yeah. And then would I'd start feeling my face because people would say things like, "That looked like it hurts." And that would remind me that it hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I have that sort of connection to it, if that's kind of the area that you were looking for. Well, sure. I mean, I think any area is fertile ground to yeah. to, to till. Uh, in in this particular thing, like, I have other issues with things. Like, I, you know, uh, I, I don't really have a, a fear of scars, but I definitely understand the trigger to the pain reflex and that is a thing that yes that i have that I, seen yeah. scars and lightly like on movies or horror movies sometimes and recoiled a little bit mm-hmm. just naturally because yes i'm not thinking ooh gross i'm thinking oh my god ow yeah what did they have what do they have they to go through from here yeah yeah and i think that's that gets into you know some of the problems with the you know, especially we talk about movies all the time. I mean, there's another big, big uh, flare up around uh, Remy Malik's character in No Time to Die because it is yet another Bond villain with a facial like deformity. Oh, is it? I, on it. I haven't I, known. Okay, uh, I haven't so seen it yet. There is a there is an association that has come out and said, "Why do you have to make all the bad oh. guys with scars on their faces?" Because it stigmatizes the, that exactly what you said about your your situation with the acne. It stigmatizes the stuff that we have to wear on our faces through no fault of our own. It stigmatizes the presence of those kinds of things. And uh, and so why do you have to constantly associate huh. it with evildoers? You know, right. why can't James Bond have a have a uh, some sort of a facial thing? On, sure. Uh, you know, and well, I never really thought of that. That's a really good point. It is a great point. And so oh, I think it's a good point. I well, it's a fair it point. Great it's a point. it's a point. Uh, <laughs> it's a point. <laughs> I still want you to get off get off your high horse. Your so point. this is the barreling through. So the, the same usual triggers, right? The physical symptoms, the sweat. And, yep. and I love that uh, No said, you know, my hands are shaking right now as I'm typing this, that trembling, the sweating, the hot flushes or chills when you see something that is so triggering. That's a hallmark of of anxiety, right? Of course right. it is, right? You You get that tightness in your chest. You get the dry mouth or the numbness, all of the things. But uh, but this one be- presents a more challenging case because it might not be what you think it is. You might have an underlying fear of oh, the other of thing. And that's why right. it is. This is one of those anxieties that they recommend strongly that you get help for this. You talk huh. to somebody with a with some sort of, uh, you know, get some talking therapy, go see a a. A, a therapist who can help you walk through this and potentially get some some medical intervention, right? That's because okay, maybe it's to... not about yeah. scars. You're saying, or there's something yeah. stronger, or yeah, because my stuff hides under things all the time. Yeah, a uh, lots of hiding, uh, yeah. lots of hiding under things. That is a kind of ironic because a scar is something that is very present and you can see right away. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but if it's yeah, it could be related to something else. Yeah, because I'm having trouble. It's a so, sign of pain, but it also can be a sign of like you did something wrong. Like it's mm-hmm. a visual representation of a choice. I wonder if there's shame involved with it. 
Yeah, I think also, it is. And that's one of the, that's a really interesting point that you bring up too, because they, there, there is a, ulinophobia uh, does not have to necessarily be triggered by being in the actual presence of somebody who has a scar. It can be a strictly emotional, like mental trigger. You can just think about huh. a scar and, right. and go into that like emotional space, right? You can yeah. just be reminded of and go into a panic mode, just thinking about what might have caused a scar that you find right. terrifying. So, yeah, I just pivoted off of something that you said that isn't actually related at all. Sorry <laughs> about that. Man, I, I heard your point and yeah. I dodged it. <laughs> Do you want to dodge it don't for a even, reason? I don't or... even remember what you said now. What? Who is this? <laughs> that there is something in, in addition to the pain, there can be a shame element. That if someone has a scar, like this came up to me because you brought up the Bond villain, they probably are doing bad things. Yeah, right. And that led them to be hurt. I remember sometimes because if you don't understand cystic acne, some people would say to me, why don't you just change your diet? Oh, Meaning yeah. I'm eating so gross and that's why I'm having grease. But that's not how cystic acne works. It's not like regular acne, but that would, they were now thinking that it's because I'm so unhealthy or so unclean that I have these things. So I wonder if that also has part of it too, that you're being, not only are you being people recoiling because of the pain you went through, that there's also judgment. Yeah. Possibly. I, I think that's probably a lot of it, too, right? That, yeah. that there is this experience of just knowing how people look at right. uh, any sort of physical, like, I don't want to say abnormality. Abnormality. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Any, um, any sort of, of even minor disfigurement. Uh, right. is, uh, can be looked at as as something that might cause shame. And so just even thinking about, like, this scar might cause shame in others is something I can take on myself. Like, that's something that I can I can somehow own because of the anxiety train that I'm carrying around. Uh, yeah. So I think that's, uh, I, I thought that was really, really interesting. But the, the general uh, gist in terms, there, there aren't really tips, but uh, yeah. get help. Because a lot of people, and this is one of the grand warnings, is a lot of people who have this fear don't talk about it and they don't get rid of it and they never, they, they never talk about right. it. They just try to avoid it, which makes, it, I mean, you can't help when you run into somebody in the world who might come bearing a scar, any scar. Yeah. Right. And so, um, you know, you might just cross paths with them. And that makes the risk, your risk for a panic attack or some sort of anxiety related response that much higher if you don't approach it. And if you don't mm -hmm. lean in and try to to resolve what the issues are that you have around it, maybe it's alienophobia, maybe it's agliophobia, maybe it's it's some other related thing. You want to figure out what the the root of it is so that you don't surprise or unintentionally unconsciously shame others as a right. result of your own your own right. fear and it's it is imminently treatable but you have to actually take that first step so that's the that's xenophobia and i love this listener submission so much i really thank really you do. very much do you know what our listeners least favorite actor is no peter skarsgård <laughs> i thought i was almost sure it was going to be scarlett johansson <laughs> We're both four. <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us for this episode. This week's tune is Sugar Sweet by Zach Sorgan. Coming up next week. 
I was so excited about it. So that's like my version of going above and beyond, even just <laughs> thinking about it and making plans and then realizing I don't even know how to sneak out of my house. <laughs> Denial, mm-hmm. anger, bargaining, deli meats. I don't remember what the dab dab. I think, I think, um, like what other podcast would you tune in and hear? I, I really like Rick, Rick Astley, Rick but Astley. I truly celebrate his later work. <laughs> I know. I'm so undated. What's the opposite of Tinder? That's what I'm making this podcast. <laughs> and I don't. Yeah, I don't put us in a category, of course, as having trouble being vulnerable. This whole podcast is, as I've already we just are told the, we're, we're the Brene Brown of dumb white men <laughs> being vulnerable. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> With a Brene White. Um, <laughs> Until then, I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Tommy Mess Third. Thank you for downloading. We'll be back next week with our final episode of Season 6 on What's That Smell?